Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Meta, a podcast about podcasts. My name is Peter Wells and joining me today is one of Australia's best comedians who has found himself in 2020 um, with a lot more time to do podcasts, I would imagine. But before we get to the show itself, let's just take a listen. Guys, I wish I had more to tell you. I will tell you mm. this. I have a mm. bone to pick with one mm. of the Grub family, which yeah. is a gentleman called Benjamin Russell. <gasps> oh, trouble. Oh, trouble in paradise. What did oh, I do? Here we go. I'm just a little baby. <laughs> Yuck, Ben. Let's start that baby rot. That is disgusting. Why, why, why do you even know how to do that voice, Benjamin Russell? I'm a little baby. I couldn't do anything wrong. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> do you do that? Have you ever been? I want I want you to tell me the truth now. Have you ever done that on all fours naked? Just tell me the truth. Just tell Listen. me the truth. Just tell me the truth. Maybe, uh, maybe at a couple of uh, board meetings, you know. <laughs> How are you, Greg? Good, thank you. Uh, and yes, I've got a lot more time to do podcasts. That's been my main thing for 2020. Yeah, well, I've spoken to a couple of different uh, stand-up comedians over the year, and and it seems to be Mm. a very similar story that you all tell that, you know, uh, did you have a a string of shows that were booked that had to be cancelled? Yeah, I did. I had a a show at the comedy festival, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, that um, I actually got a a Moosehead Award for, which is like a grant to produce a, a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing a one man play basically, and it was probably the most ambitious show I've ever done. And I spent a lot of work on it, a lot of time on it. And then it was canceled. Oh God. Yeah. It must've been a kick in the guts. I mean, I just, everyone I know is, has had issues in 2020, of course. Mm. Uh, but I feel that the entertainment industry has really copped it harder than almost anyone else. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say harder than anyone that isn't. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're if you're working as a as someone in a, a checkout or something like that, or a distribution center, it's it's going to be pretty damn hard. Um, you know, I feel like I you know I, I I sort of feel in two minds about it to be honest. Because on the one hand, yeah, there's been a lot of shit stuff that's happened and a lot of work that's been lost. But on the other hand. It's actually been quite good for someone like me who makes podcasts to be able to, I guess, do that more. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are becoming a lot more self – people in the entertainment industry, at least, are becoming a lot more self-reliant, which I think is good because in Australia, the entertainment industry and the arts industry in general is pretty much dying all around the place or has been before you know the pandemic. So – if you're a comedian in Australia, there's there's not a lot of places you can go. 
mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, most of the clubs. Not, not a lot of avenues, yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of avenues and like the and the money decreases over time, you know, like you get you get paid a lot less now than you you would 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's pretty much not a viable the arts really aren't a career path in Australia for most people. Whereas it used to be. And I'm not talking about like, you know, being famous or anything like that. I mean, that's a different thing altogether, but just in general, you used to be able to make a living, you know, being a working comedian for example, but now that's not really possible because you can't you can't travel to another city and do gigs because you'll lose money on that travel. Yeah. Um, because you actually get paid less now than what you used to 20 years ago. But that's depressing as hell. I mean, yeah, if, big time. if anything, <laughs> I mean, if anything that 2020 has shown us is that, you know, we, we need community, we need arts, we mm. need connection with, with other people. And mm. I, I, yeah, that, that just depresses me no end to hear. So have, have you, have you heard of, friends who may not have been as well-known as you um, kind of just giving up over the, over the last six months, eight months? Not, 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 not giving up. Um, I don't know anyone who has given up, but also I'm sort of um, most of the people I know now that are in the arts have either given up long before this or were doing well enough that, you know, they could, they could survive. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's, it's kind of like a, a mixed bag, right? So, the comedy festival was was cancelled. The Melbourne Comedy Festival was cancelled. Mm-hmm. Now, for most comedians, they, they they make basically nothing at the comedy festival. Most people wouldn't make any money at that festival. It's it's something you do in order to you know put yourself out there or or do something creatively fulfilling. Um, but it's not something you do for a payday. You have to be at a pretty high level in order to make any money doing a comedy festival show, and that's. That's sort of true for a, a lot of things. You know, there's not a lot of money to be made at gigs and all that kind of stuff. And 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 you know, you can you can do it. Obviously, people do do it. Um, but you need to be able to do. You know, if you want to be a comedian, you've got to be able to do corporate gigs and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. you've got to be able to essentially get flown places. You know, you get, you need to be of a level that people are, are paying for your flights and paying for your accommodation and all that kind of stuff. And and for most people, that's not really happening. So. I I know a lot of people that have quit, but most of them before the pandemic. Um, right. Yeah, I would say you know the pandemic hasn't really been that damaging to the arts. It's mostly been everything else that's been damaging to the arts, and then the pandemic was kind of the final nail in the coffin, kind of thing. Which is a really depressing answer. I realize. <laughs> I just realize how depressing and bitter this whole thing sounds. Just remind people that you are actually a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I'm funny. I'm really funny. Um, but also most of my comedy is really depressing as well. That's what I do. <laughs> so it, how, how long have you been podcasting then? Because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people kind of scramble to to figure out how to do something digital uh, when mm. when clubs are closing and things like that. But, but it seems like uh, you were in a much better position because you, you already had the, the runs on the board. Yeah, that was the thing. I mean, and that, that was what put me in a very lucky position or fortunate position was that we were doing this podcast, The Grub, and we were doing that for about a year, almost exactly a year before the pandemic started. So we had already established a podcast and a listener base and everything like that. Now, we weren't making virtually any money off that podcast, just a little bit. Mm. Um, and we just essentially did something like when the pandemic started, we literally, you know, we, we just said, oh, okay, so whatever meager income we had left is now gone. 
you know, as I say, like when I say you can't make money at the festivals, I don't mean any money. There's some little amount of money, you know, gigs, gigs don't pay well, but they pay something. And all this money has gone. So we're like, okay, well, we have to either quit the arts or whatever, or we have to ask the people that listen to our podcast, hey, if you like this, maybe pay us for it. And so we changed the way our podcast worked so that we mostly do it for Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, so we changed it. So instead of releasing weekly episodes, we now release monthly episodes, um, but we release weekly episodes on Patreon. So we just said, you know, if you think our podcast is funny and worth a dollar um, or rather $10, sign up for 10 bucks a month and, you know, you'll get all this weekly content and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, if you like it, go for gold. And I felt like that was a way better thing of uh, than, than just simply asking for money for no reason. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Not, uh, like not just saying, hey, I need help because everyone needs help. Um, it was more like just saying, hey, we have a podcast and if you think it's worth money, pay us. And that way we can sort of get rid of the middleman and just interact directly with our fans. And if they like it and they think it's worth a buck, then they pay us a buck. And that's worked out quite well for us. People, a lot of people, a lot of our patrons were are really cool. And they said, yeah, we'd, we'd love to pay you. So they signed up and that's how we do it now. That's how we make most of our, well, that's how I make most of my income now is on Patreon. And it's not a very big income, but it's something. Yeah, I did want to ask about Patreon because obviously that mm. seems to be uh, one, of, one of the two main ways that people make money on podcasts. They're, they're, they're either ad-supported ad or mm. they're audience-supported, listener-supported. Yeah. But when, when you're going down the listener-supported route, how do you judge, how do you balance what you're going to give away for free and what you're going to uh, give to the patrons? And also, how do you set those, those um, prices? Because... I think that's something a lot of people struggle with of of of, of mm. how to value their own work. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we didn't put a lot of like thought into it in terms of like I'm I'm not someone who is good at economics or um my own, you know, accounting or anything like that and we we just basically went and and and, and the other thing to be honest is I googled what's a good amount to charge for Patreon. Um I literally just <laughs> I literally just read some different articles about what you should charge. And, and most people agreed you should never have, you know, a dollar being the minimum because a dollar is, is too small. And people, if given the opportunity, will pay a dollar, but they won't pay anything more. Mm -hmm. And you have to value yourself at a certain amount. And we just, we just basically said, all right, so our podcast is sketch comedy. We put a lot of work into that. You know, it's more than just simply chatting. You know, it's more than just simply sitting down and having a chat. We make sketches, we write sketches, we improvise, we record for hours, then we edit for hours and hours. So we said 10 bucks a month, that seems like a fair amount. And we didn't really, we didn't really think too much about it other than just that seems fair. And if you're willing to pay it, then please pay it. And everyone seemed to jump on board. So yeah, it was cool. But then how did you uh, decide you know what that split would be in terms of uh, the maybe the delay. You know, I, I see some people putting some shows behind a paywall, but the other shows mm. are free. You're, you're going the mm. other route where you're where you're kind of giving most of it away. It's just on a time delay. No, I mean, sort of, but not really. It's like, I no, I would say most of it is still behind a paywall. 
Okay. Um, because we have – what we do, right, is we have an episode every week, so roughly four a month, and we would have those four episodes a month out on um, Patreon. But people don't get all of those episodes. What we then do is edit together a monthly best of all the bits of those episodes that we like the most and put them out for free every month. Mm-hmm. And the the best of is probably about – at max 50% of that month's content. Okay. okay. Um, and, but that also doesn't include the extra stuff we do on the Patreon. Like we just sort of have chats and answer questions and, you know, occasionally we'll upload, you know, cut sketches or things like that. So, you know, there's still more content there, but we, we put most of our staff out on Patreon and it's only on Patreon. Fair enough. Fair enough. And if you had a chance to sit down with, uh, you know, the, the people who run the podcasting apps for Google or Spotify or mm. Apple, what would you say to them is, is something that could, because I feel that there's still like Patreon is great. I love the idea, mm. but I feel that there's yeah. still a kind of barrier to entry for so many people. Um, you know, mm. non, non-technically savvy people might not have any yeah. idea. Uh, and it also just, yeah, it just feels a bit weird to split your audience in that way. So what would you say to, to those companies that, uh, that would make your experience better? I'd say there's a little dude called Karl Marx who had some great theories about the value of our labor. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, how do you think Tim Cook would take that? <laughs> I, I think he would. Uh, he would. He'd love it. He'd, I'm sure he would love it. I know. I, I tend to be on the side of like you know Spotify, Google, all those companies. They're, you know, they're doing what um, I guess any big company will do is do as much as they can to rip off the artists. And that's what the entertainment industry is now. It's it's people who don't have any sort of talent or skill trying to figure out ways they can rip off artists. When I say that's what the entertainment industry, that's what all industries are. I mean, that's what um, the the fruit growers do in in Queensland and in New South Wales is they they use slave labor to to have their fruit picked so they can keep all the profits and and all that kind of stuff. But that's that's what Spotify and Google and all these companies are. They're making huge amounts of money off the work of artists and giving them zero dollars. You don't you don't make money putting your podcast on Spotify. I mean, you can if you have some kind of deal or something like that, but they make money from signups, they make money from ad revenue, and basically none of that gets passed on to the artists. I know that musicians sort of feel the same way that they, you know, you put something out on Spotify and it's like Spotify acts like they're doing you some kind of favor. Like they're offering a service for you to get your music out there. And I mean I mean, that's sort of the catch-22 of of the arts is you want your music out there, but at the same time, this company is just making billions of dollars from all these people that are essentially giving them something for free that they should be charging for. I mean, if I was that powerful that I could sit down in a room with these people, then I would that would mean that I was some kind of dictator, which would be great, and I could say, hey, your companies are now... You're all getting off to the gulags, like get out of here. <laughs> so, I mean, I would just say pay people for their, for their labor. And that's, what, and that's what happens in all industries. That's what happens in, in the entertainment industry. It happens in every other industry. It's people in middle management trying to figure out ways that they can screw over the people that are doing the actual work and take as much profit as they can. So, yeah, that's my opinion on the arts industry and Google and Spotify. 
If you if you had a chance then to sit down with Scott Morrison and whoever the hell is the arts minister, I don't even know if we have one. How would you rate their their support for the arts during this uh, this shutdown? Oh, non-existent. I mean, I mean, the Liberal Party in general hates the arts. We're, we're a country of people that hate artists and the arts for some weird reason, because it seems odd to me that it, it's kind of viewed as an industry that is. Oh, it's just everyone's just having a bit of a muck around, having a bit of fun, right? That's how the arts in general are viewed in this country. And I don't, I don't think what people realize is the, our entire economy is basically exists to facilitate the arts. Even, like if you have a job, where are you spending your money? Like what are you doing with your money? You have a TV at home? What, what are, you, are you putting your TV on and just watching color bars or static on the screen? Like if you're at a build site, have you got the radio on? If you go into a footy game, is there any music ever? I mean, literally everything you do, everything we do revolves around the arts in some way. Um, but Scott Morrison and the Liberal Party use the arts as a bit of a punching bag. You know, they don't care. It's an easy target to attack. Um, they They just don't give a shit about the arts at all. And, I mean, they're also just a party that is – corrupt from top to bottom and they do things like cut funding from the ABC and and cut funding from arts degrees and all this kind of stuff whilst at the same time giving millions of dollars to Foxtel because Rupert Murdoch bribes the Liberal Party. So, you know, it's – if again, if I had enough power that I could actually be in a room with Scott Morrison, I would say you're under arrest, you, <laughs> you bribe-taking, corrupt trash of a human being. Um but yeah, I mean that's my opinion. <laughs> um, this has gotten really, really aggressive. Um. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Just clean up an awful. Oh, no, I've spilled my dick. (laughs) I didn't even get to speak. Fucking hell. No, but, but you're. It's but not no, over. but now it's you. Oh, you're there. It's not over. It's not, it's not, it's not over. It's begun. It's, it's, not, it's just begun. Him. Get in there. Oh, excuse me. Warren? Yes, I'm Warren. Why is your dick out? Because I've spilled it in aisle four. Ah, oh, man. Am I going to have to clean that up? I wouldn't think so. You don't work here, do you? No, I work in. Um, Hungry Jack's next door. Oh, excuse me, bloody hell. Let's be uh, Broad and Kelly. What's going on? What is this? What is this? You are my favourite of the Auntie Donna guys. I don't know, Ennis. I've never heard of them and I didn't didn't even know they had a Netflix show. Oh, well, we've got a bloody Netflix show, don't we? So so often when we hear about comedians doing podcasts, or at least the, Mm. the comedians doing podcast shows that I get linked to all the time, are two funny people in a microphone chatting about mm. what what they had for lunch last week. Yeah. Your your show, The Grub, specifically has a hell of a lot more in terms of um, 
sketches, like you said, of of post production, of editing. Um, how long mm. does it take to put one of these shows together? Ages. <laughs> it's it. Well, it depends on the show. Like we 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 just did a show with Auntie Donna, right? Where um, it was it was we called it the the Auntie Donna versus the Grub riff off where we just sat down it was you know and 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 f- for clarification the grub is myself Ann Edmonds and Ben Russell and we sat down with Auntie Donna and just recorded for an hour just mucking around and riffing and that's how long we recorded for so an hour and then i you know i'll sit there and edit it and i you know will chop things out or add things in um music effects i love you know, making p- pitching people's voices up and or down, adding fart noises, all the rest of it. Um, that's that's how you make good comedy. And so that particular episode, this most recent episode, wasn't too long in the process. It was, you know, an hour to record and maybe three hours to edit, maybe more. Um, but other episodes can range anywhere from it, it can be up to five or six hours recording and then double that in editing time. So it just depends on the episode. And, you know, some sometimes it's easier than others. You know, it's sketch comedy. So, you know, sometimes it's it's harder to come up with ideas and sometimes the ideas are flowing if you're having a good week. It just depends. But it, it's it's a much bigger investment of our time than a simple chatting show. You know, it's significantly bigger. I mean, it, it sounds very obvious, but um, what, what are the differences between sketch comedy purely for audio and sketch comedy uh, that you can do on stage or sketch comedy that you can do for video? Um, well, I mean, the main thing is you have to be very aware and it, and it's very hard because I, you know, I'm, we're all three of us are from a, a, a really long sketch comedy background. We've all done a lot of sketches, but anyone's, if anyone's listening to this or reading this, by the way, give us a goddamn sketch show on something, Netflix, anything. Uh, we've got the skills, um, but we've, we've been doing it for years and years and, it was it was kind of hard at first getting out of the visual aspect. You know, you'd write a sketch and then sort of realize, oh, you kind of need to see it for this to make sense. You know what I mean? Like a character that has a, a weird face or some kind of silly mannerism or, you know, something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we had a lot of problems with um, – not a lot of problems, but you know, it's just you, you got to get out of the, the visual thing. So you have to find ways to explain what's happening. A, a scene is, not, you know, if you write a sketch set in a restaurant, it's immediately obvious that you're in a restaurant because you can see the restaurant. But yeah. if it's audio, you have to find ways to, to without saying, hi, we're in a restaurant. Um, you have to find ways to, you know, show that uh, through audio. And sometimes they are, um, you know, easy and sometimes they're hard. But that's the main thing is the visual aspect. And and so have has that been become a joy to you to to play around and get those kind of atmos sounds and things like that to, yeah. to really fill out the the, the show and and what do you edit on? Um, I edit on uh, Adobe Audition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's I love editing it. It's really fun. And the other thing, and the great thing about doing audio sketches as opposed to you know filmed ones is that you it can be anywhere. You can be in space. You can do whatever you want. There's no budget restrictions because you you don't have sets. You don't have cameras. It's just about finding sound effects and all that kind of stuff. So you're not really limited by anything. You have, you know, you can do whatever you want. And we often end our sketches with um, stupid shit like 
like we just blast off into space or something because we can, <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Um, nice. so it makes it a lot, there's a, there's, you know, there's, there's a few restrictions, but then it becomes a lot more freeing as well. And it's also easy to just play different characters and you don't have to worry about costumes and stuff because you can just switch your voice up or use audio effects on your voice. So yeah, it's really, it's really freeing to do it that way. Do you find that your shows have uh, a little bit more of a long tail in the sense that some shows out there really suffer from the fact that you, they need to be listened to the week that they come out. But I, I, I've listened to a bunch of yours um, over the last couple of weeks and, and there is a, mm. you know, a lovely timelessness to them. Yeah, I think we, we've 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 intentionally done that a little bit. Um, you know, as I have ranted earlier today, I I give a shit about politics um, to a point of, you know, I, I get really angry about it. But mm. I I I didn't want to have too many political or satirically political things in the show because they are a about a, a specific place. So, you know, an American listener doesn't have any idea who ScoMo is, for example, but also it dates it. So it's only really relevant that day. We've done episodes that were topical and you, you really wouldn't be able to get into them today. Like I remember we, we did a whole episode about the Peter Dutton tapes. And now that I think of it, I can't even remember what the fucking news story was <laughs> about the Peter Dutton tapes. So it was a really cool episode and it was really funny, but at the same time, it absolutely means nothing now because yeah, yeah. it was two years ago and I I don't even remember what it was about. So we, we've made a conscious effort to try and avoid anything that's topical um, or too topical, you know. If it's kind of general, like, we, you know, we did a bunch of Christmas stuff. Um, mm. I, we literally just recorded um, before this and we did a bunch of Christmas stuff and, you know, that was that was fine. It was good. And are you recording uh, together now that the restrictions are, are slightly eased in, in Victoria or is it still just over Zoom and trying to get the timing right? Still just over Zoom. We found it pretty good just recording over Zoom. And because the other thing is, because we often have guests as well, you can have a guest from anywhere. You don't have to worry about who's in town or, or anything like that. And because everyone sort of has their own equipment now and has good setups, Zoom is the way that we tend to do it. You know, we might get back into doing it face-to-face, but we also kind of like the fact that you can just do it from your house. Mm-hmm. Um, you do lose a bit of energy, though, when you're going over Zoom. At least at first it was a, it was a real learning curve, but now we're kind of in the swing of things. But, yeah, I think we'll go back to doing it face-to-face soon. Have you noticed then that um, you, you said, you know, everyone's got a, a decent setup these days. Um, has that really changed over the last year? Because I've, I've kind of noticed that as well. Yeah. Like, you know, when just before we started recording, I asked if you could record on your end which is something I never would have asked a guest a year ago. Um, yeah. Now I just assume that everyone knows how to do that. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, but basically everyone, everyone does now. Every comic has a good mic and, and some kind of facility to, to record well in their mm-hmm. house. You know, it, like the tax returns from this year will definitely have a lot of audio equipment on there. Because you just kind of need because e- e- even if you're not doing your own podcast, people are asking you to be on podcasts all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like it's I can't I can't even remember how many podcasts I've been on this year, but it's a lot. And so you kind of just need a good mic now. So it, it seems that every comedian these days has a podcast for whether they were in before uh, everything went to hell mm. or mm. they've they've uh, picked one up since. Mm. What do you tell the young comedians uh, who are just starting? Do you do you help them out at all? Oh, nah. <laughs> um, 
I don't, I've, no, I, I've, I've given lots of advice to people. I mean, like in general, if people were listening now, I could give them advice. Um, but I don't really have much. I mean, well, uh, that being said, I, like I've been in lockdown for a year, so I haven't really seen or interacted with any new young comedians. <laughs> um, because I'm not at the open mics anymore. I'm not out anywhere um, to see other co- comics. But in general, I tell people if, I mean, if you're going to start a podcast, you really got to think of why. It is that there are a lot of podcasts out there and you've got to think of like what you're doing. Like why is that interesting or like what what, what have you what have you got to offer? Think about like what what gap you know, what does this podcast do that other podcasts don't? Mm-hmm. Is there a reason why, I'll, I'll, I'm, you know, someone would listen to this one as opposed to another one? There's, it's it's just a medium that like everyone is doing. I don't know if stand out is the right word, but you have to be doing something that, that people will go, oh, this podcast is good. And even if that thing is just, you know, you think you're funnier than other people, but I, I don't know. I I really, having said that, I, I, I don't know because I, I we started a podcast and like it's going pretty well, but it's not like our podcast is you know. Um... Well, well, I mean, I, I think that the difference here and and what I would say to uh, young comedians if they're listening is just find some kind of hook or some structure um, mm. because that'll that'll keep the the episodes going. Yeah, you know, I've I I get pitched a lot of comedians podcasts uh, all the mm. time, and and there there is. Like you said, there there is a certain sameness to a lot of them, and then there are ones that stand out, um, like yours, um, like some others that that feel like they're doing something different beyond two funny people in a microphone. Yeah, and so so that's that's the thing I would say is if it, if 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 it's just two funny people in a microphone, you got to go back to the drawing board and and think of something else that um, yeah will will give people a reason to keep coming back. Yeah, but also think of that thing being something more than just the loosest possible hook for just then having two funny people on a microphone, if that makes sense. I mean, it's like YouTube videos. There's so many things where you watch a YouTube video that is you, – you might watch a cooking video, right? And there's a comedian on there who is basically using the cooking video as, a, as an excuse to be funny on camera. But I've got gone on to watch a cooking video – and now there's this this guy going, oh hey, well, here's a joke. I'm like, shut up! I just want to get to the bit where you make the spaghetti. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care. So there's a there's a sort of fine line to walk where it's like, if it's going to be about something, actually make it about that thing, though. You know what I mean? Like, don't just don't just have a, a really loose concept of of oh, it's sort of going to be this, but then it just rushes back to just you talking. I don't know if that if that yeah no I think that absolutely makes sense uh, you know one of one of my um, happy discoveries was uh, the Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema mm. and I really enjoy that because yeah it, it's not just like the the concept is great um, that it's mm. two women talking about movies that mm. guys have shamed them for not seeing but it's also mm. um, they really have great. Uh, you know, film anal- analytic skills. They they really go mm. into kind of story structure and characters and and why. Mm. You know, it's not just the the concept and the joke. It is them also reviewing the movies very very well. So yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely all right. Don't pay lip service to whatever genre you've decided to wrap yourself around in. Uh, go mm. a bit further. Are, are there yeah. um, comedy shows out there that you really like and respect? To be honest, I mean, the, as comedy shows, but to be honest, I don't. <laughs> 
I don't listen to a lot of uh, comedy podcasts. I, I, you know, when I'm listening to something, I almost always listen to music. I don't, but this, I mean, that's a, but when I listen to podcasts, I'm mostly listening to boring nerd stuff like hardcore history. Um, well, that's not boring at all. It's amazing. But I, I, you know, I watch a lot of comedy, but I, I don't know why. I just don't, I think it's mostly because I, when I'm listening to things, it's generally when I'm wanting to get away from mm-hmm. comedy, if that makes sense. So I'm not really the right person to talk to about that because comedy is my life. So yeah, when I'm listening so. to things, I'm I'm tuning out and like, you know, listening to something to relax or when I'm exercising or something. Is it you know? is it one of those things where if you listen to another comedian, no matter how good they are, um, you can't help but kind of break down this joke structure and how it worked and all that kind of stuff. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, but that's, I, I get enjoyment out of that because that's what I do. That's I, I like it. Um, but it is, it is hard when it's like people, it's harder when it's people, you know, to, to kind of not think about it. It's kind of hard to lose yourself in it. You know, like watching the auntie Donna show on Netflix is hard because I know auntie Donna and, every single thing I'm thinking about, oh yeah, I saw that bit live or I wonder how they shot that. Or I wonder if that was a problem getting it past the network, you know? So it's like you're analyzing it from such a way that you can never just sit back and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's how I approach all comedy now, which is <laughs> awful. It's absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely get it. I compl- I, I, I find it very hard to relax with podcasts these days. So there you go. Yeah. I, I know I've kept you too long, so I'll let you go in a second. But um, I, I just have to ask about that um, John Boyega interview that you did. Oh yeah. Um, for, for people who haven't seen it, we, we'll play a tiny little clip for it for you now. Let me ask you about the first Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a really good film. It, mm-hmm. it was it, it was very successful. Visually incredible. It, it was a really big role to mm-hmm. take. Were you nervous about taking this Pacific Rim job? Not nervous, but just 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 cautious in, in the first meeting. I didn't I didn't want to just take the job and, uh, and and not be right for it. So you were happy with the Pacific Rim job? Very happy with the Pacific Rim job. It was uh, a good job, straight to the oh, point. It is it is one of the funniest things um, I've <laughs> ever seen, uh, and partly because I've kind of been that person once in my life as well. So can you explain? Uh, did was John Boyega in on the joke from the start or did you just kind of like slowly ramp it up? He wasn't in on it, but he definitely knew. I we, we talked afterwards and he he knew immediately what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um as far as he knew, it was just another interview. But but also I, I I'm pretty sure that 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 he wasn't deceived in a way like he, he knew it was for a show called Tonightly, or at least his people knew that it was for a show called Tonightly on the ABC which was a comedy show. So there was no sort of lies or, you know, there was no sort of Borat level kind of mm-hmm. deceit. Um, but it was, it was during a press junket for Pacific Rim 2. And it was all like all the interviews were taking place <laughs> in this specific room set up for the press junket, but we didn't want it to be in the press junket room. So we asked if we, we could do this one single interview in a different hotel room in the hotel. Um, and they agreed and I didn't have any interaction with him whatsoever beforehand. Cause when I'm in character in, in one of those type of things, I like to not have any time to talk to them and I don't want to break character. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he had no idea what was happening, but at the same time, as he said afterwards, he knew immediately that, you know, this was a, a, a comedy interview and I was playing a character um, and he was really trying to sort of play along and, and get into it as, as um, you know, as he would. He was incredibly gracious. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was. And, and so fast on his feet too. Yeah, he was. He was really good, and it was really, it was a really fun interview. Um, and it was, it was good that I was playing that character because that's the kind of character that is really good for that, that kind of thing. Where I, I myself am in a room going, shit, it's John Boyega. <laughs> like it's a big Hollywood star mm. um, that I'm interviewing, and the character is awkward and and weird. So it really helped me lean into that. You know, if my character was really confident or something like that, I feel like I might've had a problem, but I just lean into the awkwardness of it. And, and it was fun. Anyway, I've taken far too much of your time. Um, I, I, I really do love the work you do. So, um, Cheers. um, yeah, thank you very much. Fantastic. See ya. If you like Meta, please rate and review it in iTunes and tell a friend about it. Uh, maybe someone who is really, really into podcasts or someone who is just trying to find a podcast to check out over the summer break. Uh, that's what we're here for. My thanks to Lauren Watson for the amazing artwork and to James Smith, who actually did edit this one this time. I will speak to you next week. Have a great one. See ya. Well, um, James, if you're listening, cut this bit, but I'm going to tell you my story, which is just, yeah, yeah 10 years ago, I was film uh, review podcast that no one listened mm. to. Um, mm. For some reason, I got invited to the J.J. Abrams Star Trek premiere and oh, yeah. their press junket thing. And so I'm, I'm in this room with Carl Urban mm. at one point and I, I was dead, deadly serious, but I was just like, um, you know, I just watched the movie and I just, you know, I can't help but feel that like there's all this kind of other stuff happening, but at, at the central idea of the movie is this kind of love triangle between McCoy, Spock and Kirk. You know, you love Kirk, Kirk loves you, but Spock is there. And, and it's just the look he gave me of like, <laughs> are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> but I was, That's I thought funny. it was a lovely li- little kind of mm. love triangle between, yeah. you know, men who could not show each other the emotion that they wanted to show each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.